we bid you welcome. Also, our listeners, we bid you welcome, praying that the Lord Jesus himself give you his peace, no matter what today is like. His peace in your heart, in your mind. We pray that for one another. Amen. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 19, beginning at the 16th verse, about the rich young ruler. Verse 16 says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life. So, going back to the former verses, after the Lord had blessed the little children, so now a rich young man comes up to see the Lord. And Luke, he records that this young man was a member of the ruling class. It says in Luke 18, verse 18, and this from the Living Bible, once a Jewish religious leader asked him, asked the Lord, this question, Good sir, what shall I do to get to heaven? And Mark records that a young man fell on his knees before the Lord. That's in Mark 10, verse 17 from the Phillips Bible. As the Lord began to take to the road again after welcoming the children, a man came running up and fell at his feet and asked him, Good master, what must I do to be sure of eternal life? Now, the same question had been asked by the lawyer, as recorded in Luke 10, the verses 25 through 29. One day, an expert on Moses' laws came to Jesus to test Jesus' orthodoxy by asking him this question, Teacher, what does a man need to do to live forever in heaven? And Jesus replied, What does Moses' law say about it? It says, he replied, that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you must love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you shall live. The man wanted to justify his lack of love for some kinds of people, so he asked, which neighbors? <laughs> so it's obvious that the young man realized that he didn't have eternal life, not yet, and he thought that the Lord, as he would call him, good master, was able to answer this question for him by eternal life is meant how and where the young man would live his life in the age to come, the age after this one. So the Lord advised, let's go to verse 17. 
And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And see how this young man gets himself into a conversation with the Lord and calls him good master, calling the Lord good master. And most likely, the enemies of the Lord wouldn't have said that. So the Lord asks him, why do you call me good? So now the Lord is getting close to the young man. Why do you call me good? Nobody is good but God. The Lord is directing the young man's eyes on the Almighty. Richard Glover, in a teacher's commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, writes, Good master is a compliment, not adoration. He has no sense of sin, which shows that his standard was poor and conscience dull puts him down and verse 17 from the living bible when you call me good you are calling me god jesus replied for god alone is truly good but to answer your question you can get to heaven if you keep the commandments stanley m horton in the complete biblical library writes the thinking of the rich young ruler was confused. In his heart, he thought that somehow he could, he could offer his capabilities, his position, his power, and his wealth, and through them inherit eternal life. And now the young man wondered what he could do to inherit eternal life. Well, an inheritance is a gift from someone after that person has died and is received as a gift. An inheritance is not earned, is not worked for. And in the same way, eternal life is not received because it is deserved or earned. Eternal life is a free gift from God. As we read in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. You sin and you die. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Phillips Bible says, sin pays its servants. The wage is death. And Ephesians 2, the verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and not of works lest any man should boast. Phillips puts it this way. It is 
he writes, remember by grace and not by achievement that you are saved. And has lifted us right out of the old life to take our place with him in Christ in the heavens. Thus he shows for all time the tremendous generosity of the grace and kindness he has expressed toward us in Christ Jesus. It was nothing you could or did achieve. It was God's gift to you. The Living Bible puts it this way. Because of his kindness, you have been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of yourselves. It, too, is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done. So none of us can take any credit for it. And before the Lord dealt with this, with the young man, he first challenged the young man what he thought about himself, how good he thought himself to be. It wasn't that the Lord was rejecting the title of good master, no. He was merely asking the young man what he meant by calling him good. Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Was he thinking in terms of his own goodness? Or was he thinking in God's terms? The young man believed in eternal life, but did he think in terms of something he had to have? Or was it just another medal he wanted to add to the achievements he already had and show it off as proof, as evidence of his own righteousness? Had he ever fully realized the goodness and the glory of God as Isaiah did? And that everyone has sins and falls short of the beauty of God's plan, God's glorious ideal, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We read in Isaiah saying, chapter 3, verse 3, chapter 6, verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And verse 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And again, we are reminded of Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
did the young man see the necessity for a divine Messiah who alone could give him eternal life? The Lord told the young man that only God is good, that only God possesses true goodness. There's none good but one, that is God. As we read Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And we read the same in Psalm 118, verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. And again in verse 29 in Psalm 136, verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And the Lord was not denying his own divine nature either. Rather, he sought earnestly to make the rich young man recognize it, as in, we will read in, in verse 21, follow me. Follow me, just follow me. But I do. And then the Lord told him, if he really wanted eternal life, he should follow the well-known road of keeping all the commandments which the Lord had advised them to do, starting from Mount Sinai. And the Lord told the young man this because he had asked the Lord, in verse 16, what good thing shall I do? And the young man's question implied commandments. True, the Lord didn't mean to say that by keeping the commandments it was possible to inherit eternal life, just as much as he didn't mean to say that he himself was not good. The young man had come to admitting that there was something missing, that he didn't have eternal life, and admitted also that he wasn't really satisfied with all the blessings and benefits he had being rich. And the Lord wanted him to realize that keeping the commandments just isn't enough. Horton puts it this way, human doing is not enough. Self-righteousness is not enough. Yes, the young man knew he needed something, but the Lord saw that his sense of need was not deep enough. And the Lord wanted to deepen it and cause the young man to realize that something was missing. There was much to be admired about this young man. He was sincere. He was serious. Yeah, Mark records that he came running and bowed before the Lord. Mark 10, verse 17, New International Version. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In Living Bible, verse 17. But to answer your question, you can get to heaven if you keep 
the commandments. The verses 18 and 19, he says unto him, the young man says to the Lord, which? Which commandments? And the young man seemed to think that a better knowledge and understanding would get him eternal life. Like a child, he just wanted knowledge. Give it to me now. Right now. But to show him that where he missed the boat was not so much his lack of knowledge. The Lord quoted some of the Ten Commandments. Verses 18 through 19, Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Notice, see that the Lord did not mention the first commandment that has to do with the relationship to God. The Lord quoted only the commandments from the second part of the Ten Commandments, those that deal with human relationships and with human responsibility toward our neighbors. Plus, the Lord quoted the summarization of it all, as we also find in Leviticus 19, verse 18, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And from this verse, we could draw the conclusion that one's relationship with one's neighbor tells how a person reacts to the law as recorded in Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Anyone we come in contact with, and especially someone who needs help, that's what he's talking about. And verse 20, the young man says unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? What do I still have to do? The young ruler could say that he had kept the commandments, and still there was something missing. It is possible to follow the law to the smallest yod or letter and still sin spiritually. This young man was confident in stating that he had never broken a single commandment, but had kept them all from when he was a young man, a youth, which was probably from the time when he legally became old enough to come under the law, that is when he was 13 years old, and most likely he was honest and sincere about this. Many young Jews were painstakingly meticulous about the outward, the external forms of the law. Paul, the great Paul, told the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Senate and Supreme Court, as we can read in Acts 23, verse 1, from the New International Version, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience, to this day. 
and of the days when he persecuted the church. Paul said that he was, as we read in Philippians 3 verse 6, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Now this rich young man was pretty smug, pretty self-satisfied, and self-righteous. A young man, Nenoneskos, in Greek, is a young man, a youth, and generally refers to someone between 20 and 40 years old. So he wasn't a child anymore, but he seemed pretty naive. And the commandment the Lord gave him was the last part of the Ten Commandments that has to do with people's relationship with others. The first of the Ten Commandments deal with man's relationship to God. The Lord did not touch these because he was guiding the man into his thinking. And now he is directing his thinking into his relationship with God. See this, verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So if you want to be perfect, perfect in the sense of being complete, if he would have followed the Lord, he would have realized that he wasn't even keeping the first commandment that deal with man's relationship to God. Something was keeping the young man from following the Lord. Uh, for him, his wealth was in the way. And many would have given up on this young man, not the Lord. Mark records that. See this. It's, it's a marvelous scripture. It's in Mark 10, verse 21. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. The Lord sees in each of us the potential not only to gain eternal life, but to serve God even though he saw how selfish and conceited this young man was. But the love of the Lord, the love of the Lord Jesus for this young man was that same compassion for sinners that sent our Lord to the cross to die for our sin, for all our sins. That same, that same compassion, that same love. We read in Romans 5 verse 8, I love that scripture, for God commendeth his love, commendeth, God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
living Bible, I can understand that better sometimes, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And the Phillips Bible puts it this way, and we can see that it was while we were powerless to help ourselves that Christ died for sinful men. So there. In human experience, it is a rare thing for one man to give his life for another, even if the latter be a good man, though there have been a few who have had the courage to do it. Yet the proof of God's amazing love is this, that it was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. And that is what the love of the Lord Jesus is like. And once more the Lord challenged a young man and asked him, whether he was willing to give up everything he trusted in and instead put his trust in the Lord Jesus only. Was he willing to turn his back on the very things that gave him self-esteem, self-esteem and even those things that in his opinion would give him eternal life? Could he give it all up? Wealth and position, all his possession, all that he had, and give it all to the poor and be content with only the assurance to have his treasure in heaven. And in a way, in some way or another, this is a command for all believers. But this here command was meant especially for this young man, this young ruler in his particular situation, because Joseph of Arimathea, he was rich, but he was also a follower of the Lord. His money wasn't in the way, as with this young man. Matthew 27, verse 57, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And then there was Zacchaeus, also rich, and not attached to his money, and he told the Lord, if we can find in Luke 19, verse 8, Sir, from now on, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. And if I find I have overcharged anyone on his taxes, I will penalize myself by giving him back four times as much. But this young ruler was a, prisoner's, a prisoner of his own wealth. He thought that he had kept God's commandments, but the thing he had failed most at was that he had not cared for those who had as good as nothing, the poor and the needy. The Lord had told him, as we find in verse 21, if you want to be perfect, go and sell everything you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. 
If you want to be perfect, get that big hindrance of yours out of the way. And in the man's case, the young man's case, his wealth. Give it to the poor and you follow me if you want to be perfect. The Greek word the Lord uses is teleos. And from Strong's Concordance, this says perfect. Teleos is perfect, complete, complete in all its parts, full grown of full age, especially of the completeness of Christian character. If you want to be perfect, he should listen what the Lord advises him to do. And Horton writes, it concerns being complete or mature and resembles the Old Testament notion of tamim, as complete, as sound, as thorough, which meant total, undivided devotion to God. Verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And in Mark 10, verse 22, we can read exactly what the young man's face showed. It says he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Phillips puts it this way, at these words his face fell and he went away in deep distress for he was very rich. It was his money that could have bought the world. But it was especially that money that kept him separated from the Lord Jesus. Of course, it wasn't the money as such. It was the power that money had over this young man's life. It could have been anything that could have kept him from the Lord. As with folk in our day, riches was only one thing, one example. J. Vernon McGee in Through the Bible writes, Actually, church membership is keeping many people from Christ because it puts them into a little cellophane bag that protects them from facing their sins. They feel secure because they have been through the ceremonies or have made their confession and yet they may be as unconverted as any pagan in the darkest spot on top side of the earth. And McGee asks, Today, is there something that is separating you 
from Christ? Is there anything in the way that is keeping you from him? Well, it was the riches for this young man, he writes. The prison some folk find themselves in. The Lord will set them free if they will just step out of their cell, their prison cell, and follow him. But not this young man. Confronted with making such a decision, he could only feel sorry for himself and couldn't bring himself to receive the eternal life he had asked about. His reaction to the Lord showed that the Lord knew this fellow's heart and his love for an easy life that riches often bring. At first talking with the Lord, he was very enthusiastic, but when the Lord told him what it was all about, he left in deep sorrow and distress because he wanted it all. Distress, that's the word the Lord used. Lupeo. To distress, to grieve or pain, vex. Horton writes, by his own choice, he turned his back on Jesus and went back to his beautiful home, his pleasures, his acre of farm, forest, and pleasure, and the power and position his wealth gave him in the eyes of men. But in so doing, he broke the first of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. As well as the commandment Jesus said, which is the greatest, we find in Matthew 22, verse 37. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. The same words as Moses, as directed by God, said in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Gold was this young man's God and self was his love. Scripture says he had great possessions. Meyer Perlman stated the great problem was that his possessions had him. He was very rich, 
but he went away very sorrowful. And in the end, he lost everything. Amen.